Are you ready to shake off winter and get to the campground? Are you staring down a pile of new gear in your house that you've accumulated over the winter and want to get out and find a place for in your RV? Well, I've got five spring projects from our friend Mark Polk at RV Education 101 that you can do yourself. He's going to help us get out on the road safely and economically. Stay tuned, five DIY spring RV projects on today's show. Hello, my name is Janine Pettit and I'm a girl camper. I go places and do things with other adventurous and curious women. We camp like girls in tents, vans, travel trailers, motorhomes, and even cars. We travel solo and in groups to girl camping gatherings, large and small, to bucket list destinations with friends, or on our own to wherever the wind blows us. On this show, we'll talk about the qualities of a girl camper and how you can be a girl camper too. The girl campers are having a party and you're invited. Stay tuned while we share what's happening on the back roads of America the Beautiful. Today's episode is brought to you by our consortium of girl camper-friendly RV dealerships. General RV with 12 locations in the U.S., Setzer's World of Camping in Huntington, West Virginia, and Bankston Motorhomes with three locations in Alabama and two in Tennessee. Also providing sponsorship are our friends at Campco Manufacturing, makers of over 4,000 products for your RV, boat, and tailgating needs. And of course, Liberty Outdoors, manufacturers of the award-winning Max and Mini Max travel trailers. Thank you, Girl Camper Sponsors, for allowing me to bring great RV content to outdoor enthusiasts everywhere. Welcome, I'm Janine Pettit, Girl Camping Ambassador, blogger, adventurist, and podcaster. And this is episode 163 of Girl Camper, the podcast. It is always great to have Mark Polk on the show. He's an industry expert on all things RV. Motorhome, travel trailer, or vintage rehab project, Mark has first-hand knowledge to share. His website, YouTube tutorials, and online classes are for the newbie as well as the experienced RVer, and Mark is here today to give us his tips on five DIY RV projects for the spring, and guess what? He's got all kinds of matching videos to go with it all. Links will be in the profile. Hang on for our dear friend, Mark Polk. Welcome back, everyone. It is always a pleasure to have Mark Polk from RV Education 101 on the show. Mark is the leading industry expert on all things RV. He covers RV topics from safety, maintenance, repair, and product reviews on multiple digital platforms, YouTube, books, DVDs, and on his website, RV101withmarkpolk.com and RVEducation101.com. 
His beautiful wife, Dawn, runs the office and all aspects of marketing their comprehensive RV education site, which helps everyone from the experienced RVer to the newbie. It's always a great pleasure to have Mark on the show. So, Mark, welcome back to Girl Camper. Well, Janine, thank you for that generous introduction. I appreciate it. Well, it's all true, Mark, and anyone who just takes one look at your website, I was on um, RV 101 with Mark Polk this morning and fell down that rabbit hole and happily spent an hour there. (laughs) I always learn something new. Yes, and it's easy to get um, kind of get hooked on it because you you can just go from one article to the next and it's all good information that uh, is relevant to anyone that owns an RV. Well, and what I love about it, Mark, and I know that you and Dawn do uh, do a lot of this, and it's you go to great effort to bring this to us. You not only write the article, but then you um, you include these wonderful little five to seven minute video demonstrations to go with them. And and if you're a visual learner like me, that is gold. That's exactly why I did that. I, you know, some people really learn well by watching and other people enjoy reading. So I thought, what a great way to get some of these points across. You can skip over what, you know, whatever you don't want, aren't concerned with or don't want to watch. But if you really want to watch and learn and let it sink in, then you've got both types of media there that, that can be extremely helpful in the learning process. I absolutely agree, and I'm going to send everybody to the link. Uh, So I've pulled out five things that uh, are things that the RVer can do themselves. Now, some things with your RV, you just need a licensed person to do, a good RV technician to work on, and some things we can do ourselves. So I had this concept to do a show on things that an RVer can do to prep their RV for the coming season by themselves. But everything else in your article, and I want to direct people to that, they should have an RV technician look at. Right. That's right. There are things that I, I'm convinced that most RV owners can do a lot of these spring checks that need to be done before you, you know, your first RV trip by themselves and what i really before we really dig in what i'd like to start with is by saying uh, or explaining the term preventive maintenance and basically if you can get that preventive maintenance understand that the concept behind it it will help you so much in in caring and maintaining your rv so basically when you check your rv out you want to catch any problems early something that's starting to happen you want to catch it early before it has time to turn into a major costly repair so just uh, before we get started a good example of that preventive maintenance would be checking and adjusting the the tire inflation in your tires prior to leaving on a trip and that simple little preventive maintenance check can help you avoid a, a serious tire blowout uh, that might be caused by an underinflated tire so I want people to visualize that preventive maintenance, preventive maintenance. Uh, This is what I did in the military, and we had vehicle operators come down to the motor pool, and before they could take their vehicle out of the motor pool, they had to go out there and go down a list of checks and make sure that um, the the vehicle is not only safe, but that we're going to head off some of these serious problems early. 
you know what, Mark? I, I think that is just golden advice because the the things that we're doing are causing wear and tear that is going to cost us money down the line. And you and I did a show on that once. I had you on. I don't remember what yeah. episode, but we could look that up where we talked about the things that you do before you pull out. Right. So like let's pre-trip uh, check. Yeah, the pre-trip pre-trip check. Say that three times quickly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's start. I, I looked at this and I thought about what I do. And then I looked at what you do. And you do a lot more things than me. And I'm going to like, I, I am not checking the seals on my RV. And that's something we're not going to talk about today. But that I want people to look at in the preventive thing you just talked about in your article. But the things that yeah. I do do each year when the RV is, you know, it's out in the driveway now and we were out in it this weekend when the temperatures got up and now I'm really just jonesing to get out there. So the first yeah. thing I want to talk about is that RV battery. So if you travel in a motorhome, you might have more than one battery. But if you travel in a travel trailer, you most likely have one single deep cell battery on the tongue of your trailer. Now, you've got a great video on extending the life of your um, acid battery or or what most people refer to as a deep cell battery. Um, I want to encourage people to go to that because that's a different topic than prepping your battery for the um, spring season. That's just a good preventive thing that you talked about, and that is in your article. But I want to know... What people should be doing with their battery when they're getting their camper out of storage, and maybe they didn't properly store it, and it's a different thing. You you just hit the the nail on the head when you said um, what they did before they put the battery in storage. That's the key to it. Um, what I like to tell people is, if your RV battery is only lasting one or two seasons, you're doing something wrong because. Um, my lead acid batteries on our uh, on our RV will last me from six to eight years, and it's just because of simple routine preventive maintenance. The, the, before you put a battery in storage, the battery needs to be fully charged. Um, I can't emphasize that enough. What happens to a, a lead acid battery if it is in a state of discharge? and you let it sit, there's a process called solfation. And what that means is these little crystals start to form on the lead plates in the battery in the sections that are discharged. And if you don't recharge that battery and turn those crystals back into active plate material, they're going to start to grow and grow and grow until that battery is dead. So, the big, the, the big thing is when you put the RV in storage, make sure the battery's charged. Whether you leave it in the RV or you take it out, make sure it's charged. And then periodically during the storage period, you need to recharge the battery because a battery will lose a percentage of its charge sitting in storage. So the, the, the key to the battery situation is, is to keep it fully charged, um, check it periodically, recharge it, and then if it needs to have uh, water added to the cells, you want to add distilled water. You don't want to use tap water because the minerals and other chemicals in the tap water, uh, they 
they make that sulfation happen faster because um, it's a calcium sulfation from the, the minerals in the water. So only add distilled water. And then uh, when you get ready to go out on your first trip, you want to check all your connections, make sure it's connected properly and all the cables are secure. And then uh, if there was any corrosion that built up during the storage period, you can clean the corrosion using baking, a mixture of baking soda and water. So that's you know real quick, and they can get more information about the batteries from the article. Okay, let me ask you two questions on, on what we just talked about, Mark. And one is, if you have a solar panel on the roof of your RV and your RV is uncovered, maybe you live in a like North Carolina where, you know, it the, it's a little more temperate. If you leave your RV uncovered all winter long, like out in your driveway, do you need to take that battery out and trickle charge it? Or can you just leave the battery on and will the solar panel be charging it all winter long? Uh, that's a good question. If you put the battery in storage with a full charge and you have a solar panel connected to the battery and it's getting some sunlight, that will will keep the battery topped off. That will provide a trickle charge and kind of maintain the battery in a full state of charge, which is good. Now, if you put the battery into storage and it's only say it has 80% of its charge, then a trickle charger is not going to be able to recharge the battery. It's going to take a, a more serious type charger to get it back up to a full charge. So okay. really, again, it depends on that state of charge when you put it into storage. Okay, so that's really key, that it is fully charged when you bring it inside. And if it's not, a trickle charger isn't going to help it. Now, another thing that um, I had a question about when you were talking about the batteries and needing water, is that just a visual check? You pull off the top, and if the little cells, they look like test tubes that have gone down inside that battery, it's just visual. You look in there, and if they're down, you add water? Yes. First of all, um, you have to exercise some caution when you're working around a lead-acid battery, so you want to make sure that you have, you're wearing gloves and you have some safety glasses, um, I take any jewelry off if, if there, you don't want a necklace hanging that could make contact with the battery, things like that. Just Ooh. common sense. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, when you check the water levels, you just remove the caps and you look down inside the cell and you can use a small flashlight. And that, if you look down inside a battery cell, you'll see a a little plastic ring that extends down into the cell about one inch. And that's called the fill well or the vent well. And that's, you want the water level to be right at the bottom of that vent well. So um, I think in the article, I included a, uh, another, a, a link to another article that explains specifically how to check the water levels in your battery. Okay, and you had a great video on that, too, and it's always helpful having that visual. Yes, yes. I did. A, I, did I think I did a video on like five or seven steps to prevent having to change your battery every year or two. It's really simple little steps mm-hmm. that will extend the life of your battery and, and get you some, you know, uh, six, seven years out of that battery before you have to be concerned about spending money to replace it. And that was a great video. It was part of the rabbit hole I fell down. 
and but it's so good. I just keep watching. Okay, Mark, let's move on to our RV water system. So hopefully you okay. filled your RV water system with antifreeze in the winter months. So I want to talk about after it's been dewinterized. I don't think we have time in this show to go through the process of dewinterizing. And you've got great videos on that online. But I want to talk about okay. after you've got all the antifreeze out of it. What's our next step? Okay. Well, the first thing I like to do after I dewinterize the system is check for any leaks. I mean, it depends on where you live and how cold it gets and how well you did or whoever did the, the winterizing process. But there's always a possibility or potential for water leaks. So after I dewinterize it, I add a little bit of water, a couple gallons of water into the fresh water holding tank. And then I'll turn the water pump on and let it pressurize. So it'll come on, it'll run, and then when it pressurizes, it will shut off. If that pump you know, stays off at that point, then there's a good chance you don't have any leaks. But if it comes back on again and has to pressurize, and it does this continually, that's telling you that there's a leak somewhere in the system because it can't hold pressure. Yes. You really need to uh, just look where look anywhere you can get where there's water lines or anything that has to do with the fresh water system on the RV and just inspect those areas for leaks. But don't let that pump keep pressurizing over and over and over because water's running somewhere and it's going to make a big mess. So if, if it does that, just turn the pump off Try to find the leak yourself, and if you can't, then, of course, you'd probably want to talk to your local RV dealer. Okay, so a lot of times you can look on a line. Um, if you see little bubbles coming out, air, wet air bubbles coming out, you know that you might have a pinhole or a crack or something there. It's one way to find it. I, what I do, it's really simple, is just take a, a paper towel, a, a dry paper towel, and run it over the lines and the fittings and anything that you have access to. And if it's, if there's any water anywhere, that paper towel will wick that water up really quick and let you know, Hey, here's, there's some water right here and you can investigate a little further. Okay. So there's your area of concern. So we've checked it. There's no leaks and you suggest then that you sanitize the system. How do you do that, Mark? That's, uh, well, I have a video on that, too, but it's really simple to do. Um, you have to know how much water your fresh water tank holds. So let's just say that, let's say just for the sake of a, a simple math example, that you're just say 30 gallons, it holds 30 gallons. So for every 15 gallons the tank holds, you want to use a quarter cup of bleach, household bleach. Don't use the unscented type. Just use regular bleach. Some of that doesn't have any disinfecting uh, properties in it, which is hard to believe, but it does. Wow. You want to use regular bleach. So for 30 gallons, you would take a half a cup. It's, it's a quarter cup for every 15 gallons. So you take a half a cup of Clorox, the bleach, and you put it into a container that, that you can add some water to, like a gallon jug, and then fill that container up with water so you're basically mixing the bleach with the water and then you want to pour that into your fresh water holding tank using a funnel be careful that you don't get it on your clothing or anything right once it once it's in the tank 
then you want to top the tank off with potable water. So you're actually going to fill the water tank up. doesn't have to be exactly right to the 30 gallons, but you want to get it close to full. And then the next step is just to run that solution through every faucet in the RV. That's, that includes the, if you have an outside shower, you want to run it through both the hot and cold faucets. Run it till you smell the bleach, and then let that solution sit in the lines for about 12 hours. I, I always say 12 hours. And then what you do is you drain that out completely, drain everything out, and then refill the tank with fresh potable water and run it through the faucets till you don't smell any more bleach. And, that, and then you just sanitize the RV water system. There you go. And that was easy and cheap. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, I, I'm convinced that if, if you watch the video or read the process, anybody can go out there and do that. It, the key to that is knowing how much your fresh water tank holds. Okay, yeah. So a lot of people don't know that. And when you're filling it with a garden hose, you're not getting a measurement there. You'd have to fill it gallon by gallon if you didn't know. Yeah, if you if you're if it's a newer RV, of course you can probably look it up online by the model of the RV and get the specs. If it's an older vintage type RV, you might have to, you know, take a five gallon jug and just fill it five gallons at a time until it it's full, so you can determine how much it actually holds. Okay, so you've got this all cleaned out, and then I noticed on your video, and it, this never occurred to me that. During the winter, you should take off any water filters. So after you finish this whole process, you re- reinstall your water filters. Yes. Filters, number one, a water filter will freeze, and it will probably be worthless next year. Um, number two, it's if you take care of that filter, you can get more than one season out of it. So... When I winterize the RV, the first thing I do is remove any of the water filters, and then I put them in a big plastic bag, and I put them somewhere where they aren't going to freeze, and then next year I can start the season with that filter again. Okay, so you just just alerted me to something, Mark, that I can put on my list of dumb things RVers do with me at the top of the list. So I left my hose filter in storage in the trailer in the driveway, so it's probably no good. If it had, yeah, if it had enough water in it to freeze and actually expand, it could actually break the casing or, uh, and another thing, Janine, some people just feel better by starting a new season with a new water filter. And I, and that's perfectly fine. I just know that if, if I, when I read what's on the water filter, if it says it's good for 6,000 gallons of water. I know that last year I did not run 6,000 gallons of water through that filter, so I I can use it again this year. So Mm -hmm. it just depends on the individual. Yeah, and you're reading my mind now because most of the camping I did last year was boondocking, and it was all about water um, retention. (laughs) Yes, yes, trying to save as much water and use it as sparingly as possible. Okay, Mm -hmm. one of the questions I get from people all the time, and I think you're the guy to answer this for us. So if if you're using your RV, let's say every other weekend, and you come home and you've got a 30-gallon tank and you've got 10 gallons of water left in your freshwater tank, is it safe to leave that there for two weeks, or should you empty that every time you get home and put fresh water in the following um, camp out? 
my answer is probably going to sound like I'm contradicting myself because I'm a fanatic about draining water out of the system after a trip. But my, my rule would be if you're going to take a trip within one month of returning home, there's no reason to drain the water out of the system. It will be fine. Water can sit and, and it will last for a, a good amount of time. Of course, you have to, you have variables that you have to factor in like, you know, extreme heat and the water and the moisture. And then you, you know, start talking about mold and mildew. I personally, when I get back from a trip, I empty the water heater and I drain the fresh water tank and then I drain the, the, the hot and cold low points. But that's just me. So I would say there's nothing wrong with leaving it in there for a month if you if you know you're going to use the RV. But if it gets any longer than that, I would recommend draining it. Okay, good to know. And, and I've heard this about draining the hot water tank every time you use it multiple times. Mark, let's move on to tires. So I know it's important that every part of an RV be kept in good working condition, but I think we can safely say that tires are really the most important part of an RV. So what steps should an RV owner take each spring to make sure their tires are in the best and safest condition for the coming year? That's another good question. Um, tires, everything on that RV is riding on the air that's in your tires. Just think about that for a minute. All the weight and everything you put in the RV and yourself, if it's a motorized RV, are you're putting stock in those tires and the air pressure that's in the tires supporting that amount of weight to get you from point A to point B. So it really is probably the most serious thing that you want to check. And the good news is anybody can do it. You just have to, you just have to have a little education about how the process works. But what happens with tires that are in storage is they actually lose air. And the way I explain this to people is it think if you have a bicycle that sits in your garage and you go out there after about a month of using it the last time, chances are the tires are going to be low on pressure. And that same thing happens to any other tire. So let's say it loses 3% of air pressure a month. If, if you let it sit in storage for three months or longer than that, you are getting that inflation pressure to a point where it's a serious concern, where it's underinflated and it could cause a tire blowout. So checking the tire, knowing the tire, what the tire pressure is, is number one, knowing what it's supposed to be for your RV. And then number two is checking it and adding air to get it back up to that pressure that, that your RV tires need to be at. So, that's the critical thing with tires. Now, at the so at the beginning of the year we do that, but should you also be checking the tire tread and and if so, what are we looking for? Well, that's a good that's another good question. Tire tread, if it's wearing on one side or the other or it's wearing in the middle, all those signs of where it's wearing are indicators of problems. Like, uh, let's say it's a motorized RV and the inside of the tire is wearing out really quick while the rest of the tire has good tread. That can be a sign of a bad ball joint. That can be an indication of 
the, the tires needing to be aligned. So that's one of those preventive maintenance things. You, you look at the tread, you look at the tread and if you see any unusual wear, that's telling you there's a problem. And if you catch it early enough, take it to a tire professional and have it checked out, you can save, you know, buying these, replacing these tires, but even more so possibly preventing a blowout. Uh, yeah. You're, you know, right. And usually, usually they don't want you to replace one tire. They're very unwilling to do that. They want you to replace both sides. Right. So that can get expensive. So any unusual wear, uh, you want to check the tread depth. I don't know. It's hard to explain, but if you look in between the tread on a tire, they have a, a tread wear indicator that's in the middle between two of the down inside the depth between the treads. You'll see these little areas that are raised up a little bit. That's called the tread indicator. And that lets you know when the tire wears down to that level, that's where the manufacturer recommends you replace the tires. So you want to look and make sure that the tread's good. You want to look and see on the side, this is really critical, on the tires that are exposed to the sun, the elements all the time, what'll happen is they'll start to get these small cracks in the sidewall of the tire. If you start to see those cracks on the sidewalls, that's telling you that that tire has been affected by the sun and the UV rays, and it's getting to a level where it might be dangerous to, to use. I can't tell you how many times people buy a used RV and they tell me it had, the tires have perfect tread depth, but you know, the other concern is how old are the tires? If those tires are older than six years old, you need to have them inspected by a tire professional. So there's all kinds of things. I think the article would probably help, you know, okay. explain this and not, not quite so fast. Where it's right. Hard to yeah. We definitely want people to go and take a deeper look at this kind of stuff. Mark, should the spare tire, if, it, if the spare is um, attached to your bumper, should that always, always just have a tire cover on it? Absolutely. Yep, the sun will just destroy the spare tire in, in a short, relatively short period of time. And the way to, to head that off is to just to keep it covered. And if you store your RV outside all year long, it's exposed to the elements. Tire covers on your tires will save you from replacing them sooner than you would have to. Yeah. I, I think that's so important. I made tire covers for my sister's camper. I made them out of um, the leftover awning fabric because she lives in oh, Southern wow. California and it's just sitting yep. in her driveway, you know, 99% oh. of the time. She camps a couple times a year. And so they use it more in their driveway than they use it at a campground. So we made the tire covers. I, I want to, before... Before we move on to appliance, um, appliance vents, Mark, I want to ask you, if you could pick one thing, what is the biggest mistake you think RVers make when it comes to tires? Oh, that's, that's easy. Not, not checking the inflation pressure, not knowing what it should be and not checking it. I, I just tell people, I look at them and say, when's the last time you checked the air pressure in, in your daily driver, your car? And the response is usually, I've never checked it. <laughs> so 
now when you when you apply this to an RB that could potentially weigh um, in excess of ten thousand pounds, and you're rolling down the road with it, a blowout can can be devastating. Right. I mean, it can cause an accident. It can um, do damage to the RB. It can leave you stranded out in the middle of nowhere. The key is to know what the pressure is supposed to be and check it. And if they're low, inflate them. And just another tip, uh, it's always check the tires when they're cold. And, and that doesn't mean, I mean, it means like early in the morning cold, but it really means. Before you've driven even a mile. Yes. Yes, do not drive it over a mile and then check them. And I see people checking their RV tires at the gas station all the time when we stop to refuel. And um, I just walk over, and some people don't want to hear it, but I walk over and say that that you're not going to get an accurate reading, and if you add air to those tires, it's going to be too much air. It could potentially be too much air. So uh, that's a key thing with tires is checking them when they're cold. Well, I want to give a little tip, too, and that is, the you know, the PSI number is on the tire, and it's super small, and it's the same color as the tire. It's just a raised lettering, yep. and they make it yep. so small. So I get yep. a piece of chalk from a chalkboard, and if you roll that over the raised lettering, those numbers will pop right out, and you'll see them. And then I have a little post-it inside my cabinet door inside the camper that tells me what my camper tires and my truck tire PSI should be. Very good. Very good. So that's that's a little trick for finding that number. It's crazy how small they make it. Okay, I want to move on to the appliance vents. So most people don't think of the vents on the exterior of RVs as something that require maintenance, but I have had them fly off and I have had the the little knobs that turn them crack and come off. So once the LP has been turned on and we've made sure that our furnace, stove, water heater, and fridge are all working properly, and I loved your video on that, We need to look at yep. these exterior vents. So what are you checking for in the exterior vents? Well, what what a lot of people don't realize is insects are attracted to the odorant that's added to LP gas that so you know that lets you know if there's a leak. They add a an odorant to the gas when it's manufactured and for some reason insects are attracted to that smell so they will build their nest inside the appliance vent and then when you fire that appliance up the first time next spring and it it can't exhaust everything outside that can be very dangerous and or the appliance won't work and you don't know what it is so i always go out there i i kind of recommend people to just cover those vents up with a piece of cardboard or something in the winter time but if you don't do that you just take a flashlight and look up look up inside the vent and if there's a nest in there you'll see it and then you just have to figure out the best way to get that out and and clean it up real good okay i i want to ask you a question because we we did a camper college in west virginia last weekend and and we were all sitting around the campfire talking about this and i have heard 
pros and cons. Some people adamantly said you should pull those vent covers off and put screening, like the screening that you put on your windows at home. And other people said, absolutely not. They actually clog it and don't allow enough air to go through. What are your thoughts on adding screening to the back of these vents to keep the bugs from getting in? Well, that's another good question. And and I can tell you, um, we actually went to Tennessee to the suburban plant to film a couple videos uh, about two years ago. So we were right there where they make the suburban furnaces. And we were talking about some things, general conversation about water heaters and furnaces. And those engineers from suburban said that do not ever put a screen over the vent. They said that it voids the warranty on a suburban furnace. If you put a vent over that uh, or a screen over that vent, they didn't really ever clarify what the reasoning was behind it, but they were adamant about not doing it. So okay, uh, what happened was the, the RV that we filmed one of the videos on had the screen. And when they were previewing it before they approved it, that's when that came up in conversation. So I say, no, don't do it uh, okay. based on that now, coming from the yeah, manufacturer. From, coming from the top down. Uh, Mark, another thing that I thought was really a great tip, and you learn these things at Camper College, um, one of the um, technicians at Setzer's World of Camping said that instead of putting screens, because he was of the mind that you do not, put a screen in there. But he said what a lot of people do is they take that vent off and they put a flea collar for a pet inside there. Take mm. it out of the package and lay it inside there or tape it down and it, it creates an odor that is very hostile to bugs. Wow. I've never heard that. Um, I would I would say that if you do that, you're going to have to remember that you know before you start using it next spring. If you're putting it right inside the exhaust vent, uh, you'd want to remove it before you use the appliance. But I, I don't know. I've never I've never heard that, and I've never actually tried it myself, so I don't have a good answer as far as it, does it actually work. But um, it seemed like a heck like of a good idea. <laughs> yeah, it's it's the same thing as keeping mice out of your RV. You know, what people tell you to do, different people say to use the bounce dryer sheets or use mothballs or this or that. And, you know, if they're proven to work, then it's yeah. good advice. Okay. I want to move on to the trailer hitch components. Whenever I'm at like a camper college or speaking at any kind of event to girl campers, and I I always ask them, what is keeping you from joining our adventures? Because everyone's there like, I want to do this, but they're paralyzed in some way. The number one fear people have is that the trailer is going to come off the hitch. Now, most people don't Mm -hmm. understand how very, very rare this is and how a properly installed hitched system virtually eliminates that possibility. So what are we looking for each spring when we check our hitch and all the components of it? Well, I always recommend, uh, I'm going to divert a little bit from that and then come back to it. But um, I always recommend that you actually physically lay all the components out for the hitching system and you inspect each component. And what you're looking for is you're looking for 
rusted hardware or broken welds. If you see a crack in a weld, um, you want to make sure nuts and bolts are tight, that your pins that, that hold things together are in good operating condition. Uh, inspect the, you want to inspect the, the ball mount, the weight distributing bars, any sway control that you use on the trailer. And I have personally found numerous on numerous occasions broken or cracked welds like on the receiver up underneath the vehicle if you tow a trailer that part that you put the hitch into that's bolted to the frame of the truck or the frame of the tow vehicle and just get lay down take a flashlight and look up at all those bolts and those welds and make sure you don't see any discrepancies if you do find something wrong, do not tow the trailer until it's uh, repaired properly. But then going back to, to what you say a lot of people have concerns about, the trailer coming off the, the uh, ball, that is a, a big concern because a lot of people don't realize there's different sized balls and the coupler on the trailer, there's different sized couplers. So basically you have a one and seven eighth inch ball, you have a two inch ball and you have a two and five sixteenth inch ball. You need to make sure that the ball size matches the coupler. And it's, they, they print the ball size right on the top of the ball. And then if you, you might have to take a layer or two of paint off the coupler to get to it, but the coupler has the ball size. Okay, I was going to ask you that because uh, at RVX, one of the men in my group at a dinner one night was telling me that he had towed a trailer to RVX and towed it pretty far. And when he was almost there, that trailer jumped off the ball. Well, what he realized when he went out there, thank God nothing happened. He was able to get to the side of the road and get it back on there. But he had one of these hitches that has three size balls. So you pull it out and you spin it to what size hitch you want. And one of his sons had used it and changed it. And he he never Uh realized it. So he was maybe had a two inch receiver, but was operating on the one and seven eighths inch ball. And when he did the check at home, it it pulled up, it was on there. So yeah, it'll lock a bigger coupler will lock on a smaller ball, but all it takes is hitting one good bump and it will just come right off. It'll come off the ball. And that is, I mean, that really is, if you do, if you have a, a, the right ball and the right coupler matching each other and you know that the latch is secure, then the chance of that happening is, is really almost um, impossible. I mean, unless something serious happens, but yeah, people just need to know it's really about being educated a little bit about some of these components. And then it takes some of that fear factor out of, of the equation. Yes. Well, I, I think that the fear of the hitching seems to be one of the biggest ones. But in reality, there's so many other safety um, aspects of a hitch. And so when you have it on the ball, but you also have weight distribution bars and you have chains going on, it would have yeah. to be an epic failure for all of that to come off. Yeah, and I and I go back to 
again, the preventive maintenance thing, um, another, another area of preventive maintenance that I thoroughly agree with is using a checklist to make sure that you don't forget or overlook one step in the process, like hitch, hitching a trailer, you can, you can get a checklist that tells you exactly what to do in the proper order. And you go right down that list, do number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and then double check your work. And you can feel pretty confident that you're not going to have any problems. Right. And Mark, you create so much of those things for people. Where would you like people to go to find these things? I, I think our, our newest platform that we're using is um, online some online training. So our site is called rbonlinetraining.com. And we developed RV training courses that are video courses and we have ebook courses. And I think for the, I think it's the most affordable training that you could possibly get to, and get a wealth of information that's going to make you a more confident RV owner in all of these things we're discussing. Uh, we have the training for whatever type of RV you own and we have package deals where say you own a travel trailer we'll say, well, these four courses are all for, you know, they all are concerned travel trailers. So we kind of point you in the right direction to get the training that you need for the specific type of RV that you have. And you know what I love about that, Mark? We'll buy a book and we'll read it and it sits on the shelf at home. But when you buy this stuff, you own it and you can go to it over and over and over because this isn't stuff we absorb. Like my friend Mike Harlan always says, when you're learning this, it's drinking water through a fire hose. I love that you can download this onto your tablet and have it with you. Yeah, and and it's a... Another thing is, you know, when you when you stop RVing in the fall and, and the RV sits all winter and then you start back up in the spring, you don't retain all the information that you had last year. So you, it's a refresher course or it's, you know, a training course for a new RVer or just, um, you know, for an experienced RVer, a lot of times it's good to go back and look at these things because you just kind of forget over time some of these elements that are important to, you know, having a safe and fun RV trip. Right. And you know what? Every industry requires continuing education. My husband has to have 200 hours a year of continuing education in his field. So I love the idea that when winter sets in and the RVs in the driveway, now here's a good time to sit here and really get a comprehensive um, knowledge of the systems of your trailer. Just pick the LP system and learn all you can on it. So, Mark, thank you for all you and Dawn do to create, you know, all these great videos that really help people be safe when they're out there. I, 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 oh, I just have the highest respect for everything you guys do, and you do it in such a lovely way, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart. (laughs) You're welcome. I mean, that, our goal, our our goal at RV Education 101 is to make your RV experiences better, to make them, RVs are supposed to be fun. They're not supposed to be something you have to worry about. So we want to take the worry out of that and, and let you have a good time. So you not, you know, you stay in the RV lifestyle. 
Right. That's really primarily what our mission statement is, is to um, be there as long as you need us. As long as you need us for any reason, we'll be there to to help the owner out. So, And that is what you're doing? I want to encourage everyone to go over to your YouTube channel because if you want, you know, just a just the knowledge of how something works, even if you weren't going to do it yourself, but you want to know how it works, it's that's another rabbit hole. It's so easy to fall down with you guys because your videos are so great. So I start watching one, I'll have a question and I'll think, well, what does Mark have to say about this? And I'll go and it's, I've never put in a topic for you guys that I haven't found it. Never. So, but then, do you know how the next video plays? Then an hour has gone by. (laughs) But it's it's all good. It's all good in the neighborhood, the trailer hood. Good for a a rainy Sunday afternoon. You can just sit there and watch RV videos. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Mark, I hope I see you and Dawn soon. It was great seeing you in Salt Lake City. And I know you're off on an adventure this weekend. So happy trails to both of you. Well, thank you, Janine. I appreciate that. And um, we we do need to get together at some point. And I think we could make some short videos between the two of us. It would be really helpful for your viewers and readers. Yeah, that's our plan, right? We're going to try to get together in June and do some little PSA kind of videos. So we'll get those out there. Yeah, that's, well, that sounds good. I look forward to it. Well, give my love to Dawn and happy trails. You too, Janine. Okay. Good talking with you. Take care, Mark. Bye-bye. Well, that's our show for this week, everybody. I hope you're truly inspired to get out there and roll up your sleeves and get those campers cleaned out and so we can get out there and start having some fun. Shake off these winter blues. I want to thank our guest, Mark Polk. Please go over to Mark's uh, website. There's so much stuff. Uh, I mean... I hate to encourage people to fall down that rabbit hole because you got to plan for two hours at least when you do that. But anytime you have a question about your RV, head over to RV Education 101 and follow Mark on Girl Camper because there's a link over there too. I also want to thank our friends at Liberty Outdoors. I'm getting out there in my Max. I cannot wait to get that thing cleaned up. I only used my Max two times last year because I was rolling around in the mini max and i gotta tell you i'm gonna miss that mini max but i am gonna make my max as cozy and lovely as my mini was so thank you liberty outdoors for making girl camper dreams come true thank you bankston motorhomes in alabama and tennessee setzer's world of camping in huntington west virginia general rv with 13 locations all over the country and of course our friends at campco for making things that make us have even more fun That's a wrap, everybody. Have a great week. Happy trails.